0: Welcome to the MindTales podcast. We are a fast-growing tech mental health organization, here to bring you the insights that you need to boost your emotional health and thrive in your daily life. It's our goal to make quality mental health care both accessible and inclusive. That's why part of our mission is to get discussions, conversations, and debates about mental health going. From psychiatrists to educators entrepreneurs and community members we bring you the stories and experiences of health advocates from around the world and that's what we're going to do today if you like our episode or have any suggestions for future content please like it leave a comment or connect with us on instagram at MindTalesOfficial. official it makes us so happy to hear from the mindtales community Dr. Justin, welcome to the Mind Tales Collective podcast. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. I would say um, if I had to put a number on it, which I often yeah. am obsessed about in my research kind of mind, mm-hmm. I'd give myself a good seven and a half, maybe even an eight because it's spring okay. break. Okay.
0: Oh, but it I'm is. <laughs> Dr. Justin Thomas is the head of the psychology department at Zayed University. He's led innovative research in this field for more than 20 years, which all began at the University of Manchester in the UK. And that's where Dr. Justin obtained his PhD in experimental psychology. So Dr. Justin, you're a chartered health psychologist with the British Psychological Society, and you're also a professor of psychology at Zayed University. And to top it all off, you also head the research cluster for culture, cognition and well-being which focuses on exploring the interface between culture, society, and mental health. So, we couldn't be happier to have you here with us today. We're gonna to be talking more about the destigmatization of mental health and the relationship between psychological well being and culture in the Gulf region. So, to start us off, could you tell us more about your journey coming here to the UAE, your professional trajectory in health psychology, and also the publication of your latest book?
1: Okay, that's a lot. I'm gonna take a little breath and kind of <laughs> digest all of that. I, I always struggle when I'm listening to somebody talk about me and what I do. It's always, is that me? Do I do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my, my trajectory, my journey, my kind of um route to the UAE was a little bit circuitous. I ended up in um, I have a background in information technology. So my undergraduate degree was okay. psychology and information technology. Um, and someone told me at the time. They said, "Like, yeah, you should do a double major because, um, you know, psychology is all well and good, but you know, you need a proper job. You need a trade." Yeah. So I did this double major. I ended up with my uh, bachelor's psychology and in information technology, and I started working in computer programming first because it was around. It was around that time when the dot com bubble just first mm-hmm. emerged and the Y two K problem really easy to get into IT, but I mm-hmm. still had this real love of psychology. So I studied, I worked in IT and studied uh, part-time in psychology. So a master's degree in health psychology. A friend of mine set up a company in the UAE, which was kind of on the back of the whole, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, whatever you call it, Silicon Oasis, you know, dot-com mm. type stuff. So it was an <laughs> IT company. Yeah. I knew about my, I knew about my interesting connection to IT. And so brought me to the UAE. Um, I came out to, with my friend to help him set up his company, um, to work with him, um, and I absolutely loved it here. I brought my family out. We mm. loved it here when we came out. And this is in Sharjah. Back in, mm-hmm. I like have been here twelve years. Can you believe? Wow. it? Like Thirteen years. And so I coming towards the end of that year, I applied for a job in the university, um, which brought me to Abu Dhabi. Then I got a job inside the university. Yeah. Um, know where there was no psychology major Um, Mm -hmm. so I arrived here teaching just kind of general psychology across different programs um but gradually the interest in psychology blossomed and started with a a minor in psychology yeah we blew that up into a a major in psychology and very soon hopefully any minute now uh, we'll have a master's program that's really cool this is a little bit about my journey into to the to the UAE um Mm -hmm. my research interests obviously were always I was always interested in psychopathology um kind of mental health problems psychological disorders but I'll be honest I was also very interested in computers as well and yeah I was always flexible enough I I guess I'm not trying to jump on the positive psychology bandwagon but I Mm. always kind of had those ideas of well you know if if are if you like if our psyche can be suboptimal if our psyche Mm -hmm. can be somehow um in a bad place surely Mm -hmm. it can be it can go to the opposite extreme Mm -hmm. so the idea of flourishing you know an emotional well-being so I've never I never separated those two I've always seen that as as a continuum Mm -hmm. and then I guess coming to the UAE and exploring um you know, a new culture, a different culture or cultures, because it's a very pluralistic society. There's lots of yeah, yeah, groups But this idea of culture and how does this culture impact, you know, on the one extreme yeah. psychopathology, psychological disorder. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you know, how does that play out in terms of helping us connect to mm. meaning, purpose and all of those things that help us blossom as human mm-hmm. beings?
0: Uh, Okay, incredible. And culture is actually something that we're going to be touching on quite a bit during our conversation. Can you walk us through more the research that you've directed and led within the research cluster for culture, cognition, and well-being at Zayed University? What motivated you to found it? What are its objectives? And what is the center currently working on?
1: OK, so listen, I think the first thing I think the first thing that I, I always try to to, to to put at the center of anything I do is, is this going to be useful? Is this going to be useful to anyone? Um, mm. And I think the culture, for the cluster for culture, cognition, the mouthful is not the cluster for a culture. Cognition, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <well-being>,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Grew out of, when I first came here, I thought, OK, I need to resituate myself in the UAE context. Let me find the book that talks all about psychopathology, like, if you like, summarizes the literature on psychological well-being, psychopathology in the region. Mm -hmm. Um, And I looked, I looked for that book and I couldn't find it. Uh, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it in any place. Sorry, I'm showing off because I speak a little (laughs) time So I couldn't find it anywhere, and I thought, you know, light bulb, I thought, let me write. Um, It, it would have been really useful for me if it existed, but it didn't exist. So I thought, okay, mm-hmm. that's a useful thing to do, write it. So I wrote this book, uh, um, The New Arabia Felix. I'm not, this is not a shameless plug. You can cut this bit out. If <laughs> you <know>. We'll keep <laughs> I wrote it. This book. <laughs> right the book the new Arabia: feel like psychological well in the gulf states which is which is ultimately like if you like a summary of or a, comp- a compendium of all of the research that had been done in the region on okay. uh, psychological well-being and then at the end of the book i thought well listen we should carry this on this is fascinating you know this yeah. is, to me this really i sort of found some studies where you know there were the you know uh, highest gender differences in the rates of depression reported mm-hmm. anywhere in the literature You had this idea of uh, consanguineous marriage being the norm, like cousin marriage being the norm. I thought, Mm -hmm. wow, that's a real, that's a real test bed for Mm -hmm. uh, genetic theories. So there's all of these ideas from looking from if you like collating this book, pulling together this book, Um, and so I applied for a big grant um, to set up this cluster, which we call research cluster. Just means you know a few people together looking at the same thing, Um, and we were successful. And we got the we got the grant um, and then the type of work we st- and so it's quite a wide canvas we can look at anything you know we've got that broad you know from psychopathology to well-being yeah uh, with sprinkling the culture and for me culture you can't separate especially in the gulf you can't separate culture and religion you mm. just can't That so mm-hmm. just they kind of bleed into each other so you know some of the research we've done have looked that kind of uh, religious coping we've looked at um you know things like emotions like shame and guilt and how that Mm -hmm. plays out in different cultural contexts so so some of it's cross-cultural looking at two or more cultures and comparing these cultures on different measures Uh, some of it's within culture and looking at like um if you like what would you call it um the personality manifestation of culture you know so how collective are you as an individual versus this person Uh, who's maybe more individualistic so all of these types of variables looking at how they interplay um, with various psychopathologies for want of Mm. a better word but also never neglecting the other side of things which is also looking at things like you know, uh, well, emotional well-being, flourishing, gratitude, or right. those type of concepts that are, are really helpful if mm-hmm. you're thinking about um, public mental health relapse prevention, mm-hmm. primary prevention, mm-hmm. which again, yeah, the application, the application of the research that we do, I think they're they're the directions we're particularly interested in public mental health, and and how can we help um, create societies where people live meaningful or find meaning and live purposeful lives? Mm. Uh,
0: Um, That sounds really interesting to me, and I would actually love to hear more about specific research that relates to sociocultural factors that vary across communities and that can significantly influence mental health outcomes like you are explaining. So usually there's an assumption that because developed nations have access to more resources that they might be achieving better mental health outcomes for those with severe mental illnesses. But there also is this tendency within developing nations There are cultural, social, and spiritual factors that can positively influence recovery outcomes for patients coping with psychiatric illnesses like schizophrenia and others. So I want to hear your thoughts on these sociocultural factors in particular and any research that has been conducted in this area that particularly interests you, either of your own or others around you.
1: Yeah, I think that, that I think you've really got to the heart of, of some of my interests. That I genuinely yeah. think there are. I think one of the things I saw when I came to the Gulf, you see these, you see different, you see, you see culture manifest itself, and I think there is there's some very f- kind of landmarks studies, these uh, famous right. studies that kind of call into question. I think it's like, for me, it connects to my love of psychology in some mm-hmm. ways, but it calls into question. If you like, the, the conventional wisdom or the stereotypical wisdom, you know, which yeah. is kind of stereotyping, you know, Western medicine, good, traditional right. stuff, let's tolerate it, but it's not as good. Let's patronise mm. it, but it's obviously mm-hmm. not as good. Um, and, and I think in certain domains, you can definitely say, yeah, if, if good means longevity, if good means recovery rates, then yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you're talking about things like oncology, if you're talking about kind of, you know, cardiology, you know heart disease you're going to see that you know some of the techniques that have been pioneered in the west and western nations are you know they're head and shoulders above what people did in other nations or you know uh, or that are traditional approaches you can kind of see that you know you take an evidence-based approach you see that but in psychiatry in psychology you don't see that Mm. you genuinely don't so and even with research studies so there's famous quite a famous study done by the world health organization mm-hmm. and it was a program of research started in the 1970s and repeated in the 1980s or 1990s mm-hmm. but this was a study that aimed its initial aim was to look to see if if the symptoms of schizophrenia were the same in all different countries you know if right. there was if you like, if there was a recognizable illness called schizophrenia in different cultural regions and so right. it's a multi multi- um, na- cross-national study. Can't remember how many studies uh, countries were in the original right. cohort, but it was divided between what you might call what people do sometimes call um, developed and developing nations, or you could say um, developed and overdeveloped nations. Mm-hmm. Um, was this idea of at, you know, the symptoms and what they found recognisable symptoms. So they found using, using, if you like um, very, using identical criteria, they found cases that fitted the profile. Then they kind of carried this study on. So they identified cases of severe, enduring psychotic behavior, schizophrenia, for want of a better word, in all of these different nations, uh, Mm -hmm. developing and developed, I'm doing the air quotes, developing nations. Um, But when they looked at outcomes, so they looked at outcomes of so like how long do people remain incapacitated? Yeah. how quickly do people recover? So when they looked at outcomes, this is a chronic condition. How long, how quickly do people bounce back? How right. how, how how long are people able to function in society and stay out of hospital? These mm-hmm. are all really important outcomes, this type of condition. Um and the so-called developing nations won, hands down, so they had less yeah. psychiatric infrastructure. You know, they didn't have the latest gadgets. They didn't have the latest, you know, antipsychotic and medications yeah. from the pharmaceutical company yeah. press. They didn't have all the good stuff, but they had better outcomes. But yeah. The, the question it drew the light on. Okay, well, what's different about the yeah. experience of people in these societies that means the outcomes are better? Yeah. For, them for these particular conditions. And again, you, you really can't separate these things we call psychological disorders, psychosis, yeah. depression. You can't separate it from its socio-cultural kind of context. Mm. You just mm-hmm. can't separate the two. They're in, in, intrinsically interrelated. They really are. Right. And I think our, our societies, our environments, the people around us definitely yeah. have a huge impact on... The genesis on the on the you know on it on the on on these things starting up in the first place, but also in terms of their course, how they progress, how how long they last, how quickly we bounce back, and also again coming to the point that we you mentioned at the start stigma, yeah, Yeah. how how easily we are reintegrated if you like into into society Mm. as a person who has Mm -hmm. experience one of these states. If you look at a general kind of aggregate picture, if you like al alarm in general, generalizations, mm. you tend to find that the sense of belonging, social yeah. support, you know, um kind
0: connection,
1: of connection, yeah. Like yeah, connection. I will say nutritious connection. Yeah. You know, not connections that are kind of belittling yeah. or kind of uh, toxic. Yeah, nutritious connections with other people. You know, you could call it family, you could call it friends, you could call it you like a kinship group. You know, yeah. we know from decades of research that this is overall has a net.
0: You know, yeah. it's, it's a
1: net thumbs up.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. That no matter what form it comes in, it could be family, it could be friends, it could be neighbors, a community that sense of belonging is so incredibly important. And so that also kind of ties into our Next point as well, which is that it's important not to forget to contextualize mental health outcomes um, in alignment with community-based factors that are very unique and look different depending on what part of the world you're in. So when it comes to destigmatizing mental health, then one question I have for you is how can we be sure that we're bringing awareness to mental health in culturally informed and individualized ways? What have you discovered about what psychological well-being means here in the UAE? yeah
1: this is a really, it's a really difficult question it's a real thin ice for me because I know what to say yeah I kind of know the script do you know what I mean I know that yeah I honestly don't, I don't I don't fully adhere to it I honestly don't um like I genuinely don't think like but what what usually comes with the destigmatization message is you know seek help from a trained professional mm. which often means a psychiatrist which often means that someone's hope, not always, I have to say often, sometimes, can often mean that someone's worldview, all that other good stuff we talked about is yeah. is pushed aside. Yeah. And, and, and kind of, I know we, we use this message we, to destigmatize what we've done is we've said, um, you know, it's just like diabetes, you know, you wouldn't blame someone for their diabetes. Why yeah. blame them for depression? Why look at that negatively? it's just a neurochemical imbalance in the brain but it isn't
0: it's mm. not
1: the same and, it, and I, although i think that message has been useful to help if you like destigmatize to to a certain point it's a gross oversimplification that i think we need to now let go of so right. it's not it's not just like you know it's not just like the flu or diabetes or a broken leg it's not a medical Uh, we can look at it as a medical complaint we can look at it within the paradigm of medicine but it's not the same as those other physical Mm -hmm. complaints because it it it, it's so intricately connected to Mm -hmm. things like maybe people's spiritual life people's cultural life people's relationships you know that to reduce it to just a biochemical imbalance in the brain just loses Mm. so much I think as an example, like you might have somebody who is, um, you know, struggling with, with, with something, let's say they're struggling with um, sadness, you know, a sadness that is is problematic. Yeah? Yeah. They're trying to fix something that can't be fixed. Yeah? It's something that needs to be accepted yeah now mm-hmm. they might find their way to acceptance within perhaps their religious tradition yeah but the minute we label it and say no oh, that's depression what you've got there's depression your neurotransmitters are not re- they're not they're not releasing enough serotonin we need to give you a chemical that will cause the reuptake mm-hmm. of serotonin to be this disin- to be inhibited mm-hmm. you know it kind of changes a framework okay and it, the person might be helped in that particular way but they might have missed out on a better on a on a a more lasting Mm. um discovery in in the purest form of like the stigma as a sense as discrimination a hundred percent i'm on board yeah culture needs to be really understood and then you can tease Mm. out the parts that are helpful in the context. yeah um, mental health and the parts that are problematic so the stigma in some ways is i can be amplified and i'm 100 percent against stigma but you can't like people rush like they rush raise awareness destigmatize yeah. you know yeah. for many years i've been here for like 12 years 13 years for many years the the options were like here there or there and i'll be honest they yeah. weren't in my own heart of hearts they weren't great options is the help there and mm-hmm. is the help that's there of sufficient quality and is it culturally competent yeah and so i'm i'm really really banging the drum for prevention through social change yeah. through social activism
0: right you know i think
1: these things are really deeply interconnected you can't have one without the other i you think can't be meant yeah well without our societies functioning exactly well
0: exactly i think that highlights a really important point of individuals being a part of an ecosystem always and working on different components of that ecosystem makes a much more comprehensive sustainable long-lasting approach to mental health and supporting those yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and so we ask all of our podcast guests this question and we want to hear from you too what are your top three mental health tips that boost your self-care and boost your emotional health?
1: Oh, tips. I think for me, I think one of them, I don't know if I call it a tip, but I think nature. Like okay. n- nature, and again, I wanna, I wanna broaden that out a little bit if I can, because sometimes I'll be in the mall. Yeah. yeah. I'll be in the mall and I look around and I think what I see is human nature not to forget that humans themselves are part of nature. Right. You know, so I think, right. you know, people often say, oh, I need to go to the, I, this is me, I need to go to the, I need to see trees, I need to be in the forest. Like the sky is always there. Yeah, True. That is nature. Close your eyes, you are nature. Take a walk mm. within nature, you are nature. So I think the more you can be connected to nature, human nature, and the biodiversity of our beautiful planet yeah so not just humans but we are part of that and yeah we are lovely um but that connection to nature for me has got to be a big one yeah Mm -hmm. that's a that's a huge one it probably Mm -hmm. subsumes the others to be honest but I think I've gone too big on the first one another two (laughs) another two yeah I just think those um relationships you know with 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 other people you know and i think like i think that doesn't have it can i I would call it a micro relationship yeah and it can be technologically mediated like just that consciously sending an email that's nice not not just can't not just you know not just what should be said but genuinely thinking about what you want to say to this person doesn't need to be long it can be very Mm -hmm. short but really just seeing beyond the screen and seeing the soul, this, the soul that your words are going to touch at the other end and making a choice to try. And if you like express, you know, whatever it is, something that's, um, beautiful, like gratitude Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. concern or kindness for another soul, like doing that, that connection with it. And, you know, and, you could say micro because like some people say, oh, I've got no friends. No one likes me. But like the yeah. person that brings your soup when you're in a yeah. restaurant. exactly. Like you can kind of have a micro connection with that. You know, the human beings that you come into contact with, relating to them as exactly. human beings. Yeah? I think that really keeps us well. that, that, yeah. that That's a two-way thing. Um, and if I had to go for a third thing. I think diet. Yeah, I think diet is really important. I mean, I I don't practice what I preach always there because we like what we like. But I think you can notice sometimes like certain certain foods are gonna put you in a bad place. You're gonna need to struggle. You're gonna need to struggle to get back to some kind of equilibrium. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of science emerging now about the microbiome, you know, the kind of gut, brain connection,
0: yeah,
1: lots yeah. of science supporting that. So, you know, I think, and I think I connect, I would connect that to mind tiles as well. Yeah. Like I think we're really enriched by, like, if you you, you just eat a lemon, it's a lemon, mm-hmm. it's a lemon in my water. But if someone tells you, you know where that lemon was from? That lemon was grown in an Andalusian orchard that mm-hmm. was first planted by the Moors or the Muslims when they first conquered Andalusia. They set up this um, this field. They brought lemons yeah. from North Africa. This and this orchard where this lemon is from is grown these lemons for the past 800 years it even has a name it's its own particular type of lemon it's famous for this and the soil does this to it so now this lemon has a story so when you eat that lemon you're eating the story of the lemon i think if we as individuals take that kind of um, connoisseur approach
0: Mm. to
1: little Mm -hmm. things there's no little things but to the things in our lives I think that can be really enriching.
0: No, wonderful. I love that you touched on such unique points. And I think just on the last one itself, that connection to stories sounds like it would bring a sense of mindfulness as well into your day-to-day and into whenever it is that you're consuming that lemon or eating your food, um, or just going about your day-to-day routine and interacting with the things around you. So that's a really nice way to put it. Is there any place that our audience can keep up with the work that you do, either at the research cluster or also just follow or connect with some of your research, perhaps, or even find your book?
1: Yeah, um, my book's on Amazon, Psychological okay. Wellbeing and the Good Um, And I am on Twitter at Dr. Justin Thomas. OK, um, and i tweet anytime i publish a journal article i show off and say oh look at me <laughs> and i write i write in the media so i publish nice. my uh i put tweet links to the you know whatever i've written mm-hmm. for the national newspaper yes or, uh, yeah uh, so yeah if you're interested in my ramblings that's a good place to get to get more of them nice
0: um, Um, that's it from us at MindTales today, and we'd love to have you back at some point in the future. Thank you so much, Dr. Justin.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the MindTales Collective. If there were any questions that stood out to you, don't let these conversations stop here. Share your thoughts with your family and friends, or send over a quick message to us on Instagram to share your thoughts with us. And don't forget to hit the follow button. You can find us at MindTales Official. We know it's been a tough year. We want to remind you to check in on how you're feeling and ask for help if you need it. Remember, self-care is more than a band-aid. Your mental health is important. Stay tuned for more content next week. Take care and talk to you soon.